HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to New York, Judy. Did it end early this time? <laughs> <laughs> that fade keeps coming faster and faster. They just want more goodness out of our mouths. That's it, because it is a fast 30 minutes, the fastest 30 minutes on the internet today. Let's get right to our guest. Let's get right to it. We've got John Strasbaugh, author, well... Author, writer, journalist, historian... of the New York Press, um... Of one editor of the Where we were both inmates on and off for a while. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And his new book is called The Village. Like your book, Mike, it has a giant subtitle. I have to put on my granny glasses. <laughs> 400 Years of Beats, Bohemians, Radicals, and Rogues, A History of Greenwich Village. 400 years? 400 years. Yeah. Well, that's what got me in the door. That's rounding it up a little. It's well, actually about 300 considering, years. C- c- considering this is a country that's only 240 years old, more yeah, or less. Yeah. 400 years of Greenwich Village? 1620. 1620. So, when did it get named Greenwich Village? You know, the uh, there is a lot of question about that, but it didn't become really known as Greenwich Village until like the 1920s, when the real estate guys were Uh, marketing it as ye olde Greenwich Village. And before that, it was like the 15th Ward and the 9th Ward, the way most neighborhoods... So even then, real estate guys were renaming neighborhoods to make them sound pretty like uh, Clinton. You know, (laughs) exactly. And finding, you know, where the artists and the bohemians were hanging out and, you know, moving in, raising the rents, kicking them out, and bringing in people by calling it, you know, ye olde Greenwich Village. 1920. Now, I want to ask you this, because uh, you define Greenwich Village. Now, we move it all the way to the uh, river on the west side. Yeah, okay, so what we call the West Village, and that, that, I agree with that, of course. Yep. And, uh, I agree that uh, Houston Street would be the southern edge, and I yep. um, I know it used to be called uh, South Greenwich Village, below Houston Street, before it was Soho. The but South going Village, east, yeah. um, I feel pretty strongly that the border is, is the Bowery, that um, you draw it at, no, at, no. at Broadway, yeah. but that means that 
um, Cooper Union isn't really in Greenwich Village because no. to me, no. Astor Place, uh, you know, that's sort of like the entry to the East Village there and the Strand. Um, also, yeah, to no, me, to in, me in, that's my, all, in the Greenwich know. Village of my mind. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> now, I, you know, I figure that's the Lower East Side or, mm-hmm. or, or even NoHo. NoHo, even though it was an invented relatively new right. term, is not a bad term for that sort of dead man zone right. in between. So you got the you got Greenwich Village. I just take it up to Broadway. Also, partly because the book would have had to have been twice as long as if, if I kept going, you know, farther <laughs> east with it too. Yeah, that's that's a so, big block right there. Yeah, I was thinking of myself here too, but I also I want to do the Lower East Side as a book at some point. So I thought, all right, I'm going to cut it at Broadway, and you know, well, the Lower East Side to the top uh, boundary that would be Houston Street. I'm guessing the Lower East Side versus the East Village. Well, the East. What there's another thing. So you know, it wasn't the East Village until people started calling it that in the late '50s. So no. I think the Lower East Side, you go all the way up to 14th Street, the mm-hmm. same as you do wow. for Greenwich Village. And certainly that, I, is some, that is some controversial stuff we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's important to get your bearings, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. like I said, the Greenwich Village of my mind. And, yeah. you know, like we were talking, uh, you know, before we both, uh, you know, live in Brooklyn now, but we yeah. both, you know, came to New York to live in Manhattan. Absolutely. Manhattan was the thing. And my idea was when I was a kid, I was going to move to Greenwich Village because uh-huh. that's where the Bohemians, that's where the action was, that's where the scene was, that's what I romanticized um, in the Greenwich Village of my mind, of yeah. course. Then it became, you know, you realize it was a, became a tourist place yep. um, and the money was out there. Although I discovered this wonderful bar, I must have been about 15, um, down on Christopher Street where uh, old men would buy me drinks. <laughs> it was absolutely fantastic. I wonder why. Fantastic. Still there. The only mm. they won't be buying drinks It was absolutely fantastic. Anymore. Yeah, and there's not too many of those bars <laughs> yeah. left over there anymore. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole, the, the, the gay population has been shrinking there. I mean, unless you're like a super moneyed gay dude. Yeah, I, it's, uh, if you're... Um, you know, a gay celebrity, you can live there, a gay movie star, but gay guys, just guys. Actually, you know, they've been leaving since the 80s, but I, I just saw that Boots and Saddles lost its lease and, yep. it, and it's, yeah. it's gone. So, I think they found a new place, so we can ask Jeremiah when, okay, uh, good. when we get him on. Good. Who, so, out of researching 400 years, yeah. like you must have come across a lot of characters. Like, who are some of your favorites? Tons of them. Like, kind of anybody who was anybody in the arts and culture, not just in America, but in the world. At least passed through Greenwich Village in the in the twentieth century, and and the later nineteenth century. There was everybody. It's you know, very, very fertile. Uh, yeah, it, it, and it's, and when you think about what a tiny you know footprint that place is, you can walk through it in fifteen minutes. But everybody was there, from like Khalil Gibran to you know. Um, um, the the Beats and Kerouac and all those guys and all the folk people and Jimi Hendrix got discovered there and the Fugs and it just and the abstract on. expressionists the painters the that came out of British Village were there. Um, all the dance people, the um, uh, avant-garde film people were all there. Everybody, everybody was in. If and if they weren't in Greenwich Village, they were on the Lower East Side, one or the other. Have you ever lived there? I when I moved to New York um, about twenty five years ago, my first apartment was um, at six and tenth and sixth. Which where it was like you know Mardi Gras every night, right? So um, I, I and the, the apartment was weird and stupid. So I left after a year and moved over to Suffolk Street, and then I lived on the Lower East. Wow, on Tenth Tenth uh, Street and Sixth Avenue in the corner there, there used yeah. to be a sort of coffee shop. That um, when I got to Greenwich Village, nineteen eighty two, when I was an inmate at NYU for a, a, a little <laughs> bit, um, I got out for time served um, yeah. after just a couple years. But there was a coffee shop that I later became a blimpy, and now it's um, yeah, yeah. it's sort of like a bistro or a patisserie or something kind of fancy um, across. 
where what I think is the original Ray's Pizza, what we regard uh, as the original Ray's Pizza probably, on 6th yeah. Avenue. Um, but that seemed to be some holdout, like beatnik holdout. Because remember, we'd go in there and get coffee. John Waters used to love that place. He used to go we in there loved all it, the time. And we got invited to these crazy parties. I was, I was like 18, and yeah. you know these old guys with white beards like, thought we were cool because we'd hang out there. And people were passing jugs of wine around. I mean, it was like, so, like <laughs> the, the last gasp of beatnik sunshine. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> Yeah, and they were all there, uh, and um, you know, it's it. You can't compare it now to then. It's just not. The yeah, same I felt no, like now I, it's all high end mall stores. Yeah. But uh, I felt then like I, I could reach it. I, mean, I could reach out and sort of touch the antiquity and sort of yeah. feel the vibe of like Dylan and Van Ronk a little bit. You you know you walk around and some of it still looks the same because mm-hmm. you know they've done a very good job of preserving it. You know, doing the historic preservation for the way it looks. Um, but it's it's hardly the same. I, you know, I I define it as it was a culture engine. It was a place that attracted and nurtured people who made culture for everybody else, and it was across the boards. Um, you know, literature, dance, music, film, everything. And you know, who's there making culture now? Who's in Gwyneth Manhattan? Paltrow? Right. See, and you know, it's just not the same. <laughs> what are you saying, Judy? What are you saying? Like the Goop's Christmas Guide is not the apogee of I've been of Western off culture. The Goop's Christmas Guide because I know I'm, I'm going to want to savor it. Where's, where's Taylor Swift? Where's her apartment? I oh, she's in Soho somewhere. Uh, I like, you, I like the way you say Becca? apartment. You mean, you mean her complex? Right. I know her apartment. What am I saying? The 1989 where's complex. Her, where's her palace? Yeah. Uh, the compound. compound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you know, people have been talking about Taylor Swift, too. It's, it's funny. Just because been so much anti. She's not New York. She's not this. But celebrities have been coming to New York and exploiting oh, it since, since the beginning of time. So absolutely. I don't find her moving here and sort of, you know, planting you know, a flag in the ground any more offensive than any other celebrity who's done Jeremiah's it. Did you see Jeremiah's open letter in, in the Daily News when everybody was complaining about her? He was like, you know, she's the perfect spokesman for mm-hmm. New York City in 2014. Shut up. And he's right. <laughs> yeah. This her song is much worse than I ever possibly imagined it, it could be when I l- listened to it. But it has this great line in it, though. It says, "We all came here wanting to be somewhere else." Yeah, someone else. Yeah. We all came here wanting to be someone else. Yeah. Um, it's a place where boys can like boys and girls can like girls. And I thought that's not the worst message I ever heard in my no, life, and no. it's very true. And I think that speaks. Used, I think it used to be true. Um, I don't know. We came here. I mean, we were all like punk rockers and artists, and somehow disenfranchised or disillusioned with suburbia. Of course, we came flocking to New York to be ourselves, to find ourselves. And to reinvent ourselves. Well, clearly, people are still doing that. It's just different people. It's not the same kind of people. Yeah. It takes a little more budget uh, than we had. You know, there's some <laughs> the sociologists have some term for, you know, it's like it's reverse white flight. You know, mm-hmm. every, the, the, the children and the grandchildren of all the white folks who left back in the 70s when it was supposedly so horrible here have come back from the suburbs because they were bored in the suburbs. Well, and now I, they don't even leave when they have kids. I mean, Don't have to. They, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. There are babies at the bar here. Roberta's today. Yeah. There are a lot of them. <laughs> uh, well, you know, New York used to be a place that was scary to the people that we were trying to get away from in our right. suburban right. upbringing, right. whether it was Baltimore, New Jersey, or wherever you were coming from. But now it welcomes exactly the people mm-hmm. we were trying to not to be you know and there are an awful lot of people who like it this way and 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 you can't argue that it's not cleaner it's not nicer it's not a lot of things but it's also i mean you know i and i think you would agree you guys would agree if you're a little more old school it's not it's also not new york it's not it's It's certainly not not manhattan it's just and it's certainly not downtown downtown has been so uptown that you know i (laughs) you know there used to be 
they were not geographical, just geographical designations. That was a, that was a whole cultural thing. There was downtown culture and there was uptown culture. It was, it was the Greenwich Village of your mind. And no and, such thing. And anymore. when I was just moving from uh, uh, the tony little hamlet of Kipps Bay, where I've oh lived, yeah, Kipps Bay, you, sure. know, you know, where I've lived for I go to the movies. Fifteen years. I know. I love my you know, Google Plex. So yeah. Yeah. and you left once once they you, got you, a fairway. You, you know, but I, I, I oh yeah, they got a fairway. Oh, the fairway was Come awesome. On, man. Oh, What'd you mean for? And uh, I should plug in the, the fairway bagel. I mean, of all <laughs> whatever. <laughs> doing back there at the Fairway Bakery is just they're doing some magic there. Excellent. I put it up with H&H or Essa Bagel or any of the great bagels in New York. The Fairway Bagel. Oh, they're see? doing something right back there. But I'll tell and you, you what. And you left. I left, but you know, I, I love where I live, you know, in Carroll Gardens now. Trees and it's just mm-hmm. a lot quieter and, you know, um, especially being in my 20s being a bachelor in Manhattan and you know downtown in Greenwich Village or the East Village was the, was the place to be. But I even said when I was getting ready to move, I'd rather live on the Upper East Side than the East Village at this point. Uh, I and I never it. thought I'd hear those words coming out of my head. It's, it's and it's cheaper. The Upper it's East Side way, yeah. is now much cheaper than than. Well, sure, you get a East better Village. bar, you get a better space, but I don't want to live in like a frat house, which is uh, what uh, you know I, the East Village has become. It's just. I mean, we used to sit down, you know, go to a bar in the East Village, in a normal bar, dive yep. bar, or not so divey bar, and you never knew who you were sitting next to. Like you talk about a culture engine in the '80s, the East Village definitely you know, fit that description. Yeah. You know, um, like I was saying, I once wanted to live in Greenwich Village, and that didn't really happen. And I thought maybe I'd buy a loft in Soho, and of course that didn't happen. <laughs> but eventually, I landed in the East Village, which was the next logical place. Yeah. And I was surrounded by artists, by painters, by Absolutely. punk rockers, by failed poets, by maybe some guy who was going to become a great filmmaker. Pains in the butt, you, crazy people, and you could sit in the bar and never know who you're. Yeah, next to the yeah. guy could be a great theater actor. He could be a fantastic poet. He could be a novelist waiting to flourish, or just another you know drunk loser. Just another drug. And, but they all, we all hung out together. Steal your chain, you know. And whatever caste system that has been established in Manhattan and, and, and all of New York now just really didn't exist back then. Well, the point is uh, that you know if you're going to be a working, try if you're going to try to be a working artist of any kind, any kind of culture producer. Um, it's really, really important to have cheap place to live and work because in America you're not going to get paid much to be a culture worker. And you used to be able to find those in, in various places in Manhattan and Greenwich Village for the longest time. And then, you know, that started to get too expensive. So then it was the Lower East Side in the East right. Village. Exactly. Soho was the cost nothing when people were first pioneering mm-hmm. Soho. But, you know, so as the rents keep going up and the real estate prices keep going up, you're you're making it harder and harder and harder for the people who make culture to live there. And there was, there's been this enormous diaspora of creative people out of the one place in the country that was the creative center of, of the country and in some ways the world for a long, long time. And you've kicked them all out. I mean, oh, so, so we're now we're sitting in Bushwick now. It's in Bushwick. Pretty soon this is going to get too expensive. They're going to push all the Bushwick. I think it already is. It's already, it's, it's, it's already See, so And it's you know, ugly. I mean. I was talking to a guy who, who went from Williamsburg to Bushwick to Crown Heights and Crown. No. Um, yeah. Um, Crown Heights. No, Bed-Stuy. He went to Bed-Stuy. And Bed-Stuy was getting too expensive. Bed-Stuy and when what it used Bed-Stuy to be. Bed-Stuy is too Bed-Stuy of our <laughs> Yeah, they have fancy Where are you going to be? Where are you, you going well, to go stop at the White Castle? There's a. There's a. This woman uh, I know, I'm on some internet group with her. She moved to Bed Stuy, and this actually did make me laugh because her and her uptight white boyfriend moved to this like really overpriced, you know, jerky house. And somebody crapped on her front step, uh, and she was so upset. It's like, yeah, okay, you well, know what you represent? Right, exactly. You know, I mean, exactly. Of course they did. So I, you know, I it's it's as though they're pushing the the young. 
starving artist types. And uh, the old uh, starving artist well, types, too. <laughs> you know, but who cares about us old ones? We've done That's our true. bit. But the young ones who used to come, you used to be able to come here. You could find the place. Um, Lou Reed was spending $7 a month rent when he moved to, to the New York City. Uh, you know, but, but now it's $7,000 a month rent. So you're not going to have any youngsters but who are was, being creative there in was the city anymore. always a barrier to entry, though, the city. You had to love it because it was hard to oh, live yeah. here. Oh, yeah. And now you can sort of pay your way in. You can just sign yeah. the check and you can take it off the rack. It's, uh, it looks like I, when I walk along the river now, it looks like I'm in Santa Monica. And Santa Monica's fine, but I n- didn't choose to live there. I choose to live <laughs> in New York City. <laughs> well... Um, we're being joined by Jeremiah Moss from cool. Jeremiah's Vanishing New York. Hey, Jeremiah, are you there? Hey, how's it going? Hey, mystery guy. Hey, Jeremiah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got um, John Strasbo and Mike Edison in the studio with me. Welcome. Hi, hi, John and Mike. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, Jeremiah, I wanted to ask you uh, right off the bat, um, you've been very active in um, trying to save my namesake cafe, the uh, Edison Cafe. Um, <laughs> and how's, how's that going? I was up there trying to get lunch the other day, and man, there are hundreds of people there. So you're, you're doing something right. It's been, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a big success. You know, it's, um, we've done, uh, today's the third uh, lunch mob. We have a dinner mob uh, with <laughs> klezmer music coming up on Thursday. Excellent. And uh, there have been lines out the door. People are showing up, you know, uh, day after day with signs. And there's now there's a, a, a documentary filmmaker there who's trying to do a, a movie on it and um, lots and lots of press. So, you know, it's been really it's been great. Have you heard anything from management about what's going to happen? I've heard nothing. No. I've heard nothing, no. Well, and, and we got, you know, we got Gail Brewer, you know, Manhattan Borough President, just wrote a letter to the owner of the hotel, you know, saying, uh, please, please give them a lease. Yeah. And it really is the last vestige of, uh, it's really the last good place to eat in Times Square. <laughs> you know, for, you the know, last place, yeah. It's Absolutely. the last real place. Um, there's chilies and Applebee's and Red Lobster, Mike. Okay. I, 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 I think there's an Olive Garden. I don't want to hear the Olive Garden. We can't forget about those. Olive Garden. Yeah, well. man. I heard the Olive Garden has changed their pasta recipe as well. So <laughs> <laughs> That just came down from yeah, the corporate Olive Garden. <laughs> so we're talking with John about his book in the vi- uh, about the village. And, you know, you focus on a lot of things that are vanishing. And, you know, Bleecker Street has been basically taken over by Mark Jacobs, yeah. Washington Square Park by NYU. Uh, what where where do you see the the future of the village going? Well, I think that you know the future is just what you what you described. I don't really see it getting any any better anytime soon. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. What uh, do we need? An earthquake? A crime spree? <laughs> crime crime spree would would probably have. Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, we had uh, we had nine eleven, and I think that only actually attracted more people. Yes, it did. Yeah. Yes, it did. That's so you weird. Know, ironically, yeah, very very weird, very weird. Well, it became it became American, right? Before nine eleven, New York wasn't America. It That's was, right. It was some other place, and after nine eleven, we saw all of this. You know, we are all New Yorkers, and uh, people came flooding in. What about the people that criticize, um, I mean, I posted this on Facebook today that you were coming on and people are like, oh, you know, nostalgia, it's mm-hmm. bullshit, New York always changes. Yeah. I think it's, it has never changed so quickly before. No, I don't think so. Uh, I, I would disagree with you guys. There have been periods where it changed like crazy. By Pottery um, Barn? No, no. I mean, like, you know, in the, in the early 1800s, for instance, yeah. it went through this ridiculous period where... 
Um, people exactly the way we say, geez, I went out the door and there was a new building across the street. Where did mm-hmm. that come from? That was happening back in like the 1830s and 1840s, too. So, I, you know, people are right that New York City has always been changing. Um, my thing about the most recent changes is that um, just for me being a, like a culture type person, um, within those changes all the time, there was always places where you could you could survive in the city as as a culture person, somebody making culture for everybody else, and and everybody else in the city seemed to know that that was an important part of being in New York City, that you had those artists and you had the musicians and the singers and the actors and stuff, and that's gone. Yeah, yeah. In, in this most recent real estate boom, the post-9-11 real estate boom, um, the, you know, and the great diaspora of, of arty types, nobody seems to care. Nobody misses the arty types. Nobody <laughs> could care less that they used to be here. And and what is left is just sort of pure nostalgia. And when you're walking around in the village and, and you know, you see the bars where, the, you know, you see the White Horse Tavern or whatever. And you How is say, that still holding on? Um, that guy owns that space. The family has owned oh, okay. that space for the longest time. Um, it, I think his grandfather started it. So it's a, it's a family thing. And, and it's still, there's too. always people there. I, I tell you, New York Stonewall has gone through so many changes. This yeah. new Stonewall is like the 15th variation. So, New York is the only place where people are actually nostalgic for crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get I get a hard time all all the time from people about like you know I'm saying you know like all right the 70s the city in a lot of ways was bottoming out but if you were an arty type it was a great place to be because nobody was paying you any mind you were paying 15 bucks a month rent and you could you you people were making theater out of you know and their sets were from they picked them up off the street. And, and, and people it was, it was like, a, yes, but it was the 70s. It was a horrible time in New but York But it was City. a locus for creativity so, well, because exactly why we all came here also, because it was affordable, because we were surrounded by other misfit culture it, producers, and artists were respected. And I don't know... I mean, now, I mean, with Williamsburg and the, I hate to use the word, because it's become so pejorative to just to be meaningless, hipster, but it's, bo- <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a bohemia, you know, it's off-the-rack bohemia. It's a faux bohemia. Uh, well, and there's always been faux, been bohemians, too. They've been around forever as well. And, and, you know, and that goes back to, um, geez, you know, in Paris in the, in the 1820s, they were already complaining about the fake bohemians. So <laughs> it, it, that's not a new thing either. But I, I just think it, it, some of it's like a kind of an economy of scale thing. It's just changed so much, so rapidly, and and in such a way that, um, as Jeremiah says, I don't see how, in Manhattan at any rate, I don't see how downtown can come back from this unless there's a massive change in the the real estate structure of downtown. Full global economic collapse. Yeah, I mean, when when people with, like, middle-class incomes can't buy except for out, way the hell out in Queens... I know, I saw that article in the Times about how Queens is going to be the new... Oh, I'm here. I'm soaking yeah, in it. Yeah, so, sure. so, Jeremiah, you actually live in the East Village, if I'm not mistaken, don't you? I do, yeah, I do. I'm tracking you down. <laughs> and how's that working for you? It's not working very well. It's actually a pretty miserable existence. Um, I've been here for a little over 20 years, and, uh, you know, as you were saying earlier, it's become, it's become uh, frat, frat central. You know, it's it's awful. I mean, uh, last night, you know, as every weekend, there are these howls that come up from the street of these mm. sort of wilding, you know, frat <laughs> crowds uh. that go from sports bar to sports bar. There were no sports bars 
here when I moved. I here. remember when you were <laughs> yeah. first starting to see sports bars in oh, the East man. Village. I was like, oh my god, that's oh not the howl that destroyed the best minds of our generation, right, Jeremiah? No, that would not be it. I remember when we um, we had a nice little kickboxing school across the street from my place in Williamsburg <laughs> that got turned into a notorious Coke bar, and uh-huh. the sound I always heard was the girls at like 1 a.m. would just start, woo! Oh, yeah. yeah. Woo! I, my yeah. friend, I What's have... What's with the woo? What, the woo I, yeah, the woo really, girls. The I'm woo-hoo. missing that gene. I, I've the never heard girls. it before. Yeah. And now it's 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 a constant. It's like this battle cry. It's like I think of it as like the the conquering you know warriors have come in and they've invaded and they're and they're doing this battle cry to, to let us all know, you know, it's ours now. It's a Sakatini battle cry. <laughs> oh, man. I gotta say, sports bars. I mean, TVs and bars and restaurants. This has got to be like the greatest proliferation of culture death I've ever oh, seen. I, I, I won't I even go into a restaurant if there's a TV. Yeah. I mean, uh, these giant screen TVs no. and, a, and a fucking sushi bar. I mean, you know. It's like, well, out in Big Sky Country, where I live now in Queens. <laughs> uh-huh. um, uh, that's Jackson say, Heights, not Jackson, Wyoming. They, um, <laughs> it's like a lot of South Americans who are super into soccer. So there uh-huh. is like, there is a TV in every single bar. It's just different, though, because I do not hear the wooing out yeah. there. And I, I don't even mind that sports bars exist, but they shouldn't. They shouldn't have moved into like Greenwich Village in the East. Village, no sports bar. I've got Come nothing on. against them going to a bar to watch the game. Uh, that seems like a very normal. I've activity. never done it in my life because I couldn't care less. But if you did, I'm sure it's a good place to go watch the game. But I've watched many ball games in the West, in but the East that's Village? not well a music bar or a jazz well, bar exactly. or a place to talk. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. TVs stop They're conversation everywhere. dead. Yeah. And, well, TVs and their phones. Nobody, kids don't talk. I mean, they, their faces are like vestigial organs now. They don't, <laughs> I, even, I they don't to... even look at each other. My, my old friend Ernie, who uh, runs, ran, or still does, the, the Holland Bar. Oh, yeah. One of the seediest bars in New York. Yeah, and also yeah. uh, Rudy's and one other place. It's an old-time bar, bar guy. And he used to say, um, the TV in the bar can only have uh, sports of the President of the United States on it. Because, okay. Because okay, that's the only thing that sells drinks. And he caught his guys one day. He came in during a day shift to the Holland Bar, and they were watching Days of Our Lives, and he ripped the TV out and threw it on the street. (laughs) So, Jeremiah, I wanted to ask you, what's what's like the, you know, Edison is, is up midtown, but what's the latest causes like in your neighborhood? What's what's disappearing next? Ooh, um, where should we go? I have to give it some thoughts. Like, what's left? You know, that's oh, the thing. Yeah. I mean, there's so there's there's so little. I mean, there's 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 Ray's Candy on Avenue uh-huh, A. I think uh-huh. that that's probably not going to last much Ray's? longer. Ray's, oh man, Ray's Candy. And then you know, there's 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 De Robertis, and they, um, oh, you know, great pastry shop for what a hundred plus years, yep. and they have their they own the building. They have it listed. It's been listed for sale for quite a while, and they are denying that they're selling it, but they have it listed. So, uh-huh. <laughs> but so for the there right price. Uh-huh. That's, that's one of my favorite so rooms in, in all, all of that neighborhood, in all of the city, oh, really, the yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, DeRoberti's put in uh, flat-screen TVs, and I hate it. Uh-huh. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't even go any... There is not one place in Hoboken that does not have a television, so I see that coming to the so, East Village. Jeremiah, how do you answer the nostalgia attack? When people say you're just being nostalgic, shut up. Uh, I think I think that um, people who say that are, are are understandably in denial about the <laughs> devastation that's going on right now, and I and I hear it a lot from um, I hear it a lot from native New Yorkers, and I think that that's part of like, well, you know, we've we've been here all our lives, and we know that New York always mm-hmm. changes, and like you said, that's absolutely true, but in our lifetime, you're talking about the early 1800s, is the last time this happened, but. 
in our lifetime, in you know, multiple generation lifetimes, the New York, the century of New York as the culture mover, you know, is over. Absolutely. It's over. And we're talking about a century, century and a half yeah. of time. I, I, I would say 200 years, really. 200 years. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's, you know, that's a, it's a good run. Yeah. Sorry. It's something to be, I think, to, to be upset about. And the people who are not upset about it, who are saying, oh, you know, New York always changes, really are not, I don't know if they're not tuned in or they're in some kind of fantasy land of unreality, but, you know, if you're paying attention... It's undeniable. I, yep. I think it's nuanced, yep. too. I mean, we've, heard, we've always heard a lot of people who, you know, when a bar closes, there's a lot of outcry, and everybody says, well, when's the last time you were there? You right. know, I mean, right. when's the last right. time you were at the Mars bar? Right, right. Um, <laughs> and CBGB's yeah, had honestly booked a good uh-huh. show in years because the people that were running it weren't really, you know, being, you know, caretakers of the right, culture right, at any right, point. It was right. kind of, their booking policy was lazy, even though, even as bands wanted to play there and loved it. And change will happen. Um, it can't. The people that really bother me is like any change at all. But of course, when a Seven Eleven went up on my corner, I mean, I was the first guy yeah, you know, to throw AC. So, I didn't so want to you, truck stop. Well, like what will you guys New York miss? Times article, uh, Genia Belafonte published that thing saying, you know, uh, you can't you can't really grieve if you didn't go there, and I, and I disagree okay. with that. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, uh, you can you can grieve for the overall fabric of the city and what's being lost, and and these places absolutely aren't I agree with that. And what's being replaced by too. Like, yeah, do we really and then need they're a team not closing because store? of a lack of business. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Cafe Edison, uh, you know, the lunch moms aside, they're, they're busy all the time. They're closing because the landlord's kicking them out, and that's, that's, right. that's the story. Right. Very good point. Another good point. It's, you know, you can be doing really well, and people are in there all the time, but if the new owners Absolutely. raise the rent by three times on you, yeah, when you're five times, around, ten four, times, ten times, where are you going to go? I mean, Bleecker Street was wiped out because yeah, rents yeah. were going up five, ten yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. got talked into buying a really expensive pair of earrings that I didn't need because <laughs> the store had been there for like 30 years. And uh-huh. I was talking to the owner, and he's like, yeah, you know, Mark Jacobs. I'm like, all right, I'll buy <laughs> yeah. them. Oh, man, they were 40 go. bucks. I love but... these old, like, silver jewelry shops on, like, yeah. McDougal Street, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, you know. Well, of course, the head shops are back now, of course. Yeah. But wait, <laughs> I, I, I want to know what you guys will miss. I was thinking about this earlier, and if Eisenberg's closed, I would, like, be oh, so man. upset. <laughs> well, jo- Josh, the caretaker of Eisenberg's, I think he's down for the long haul. I've, I've been regular there for a long time, and he's, he's a real soldier. Yeah, he's good. He's Jeremiah, good. what would you miss most? Uh, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is Julius's bar. Mm. You know Julius is in Greenwich yep. Village? <coughs> One of the so old school gay bars, yeah. yeah. Old school, been there for a million years, and it's just got, you walk in there and it's like stepping back into the 1930s, mm-hmm. 40s, 50s. And, and unfortunately what's happening is a lot of, uh, you know, what I call the Sex and the City girls, are, are, have, they've discovered it. Right. So they're in Julius's? Yeah. Oh, because no, oh, no, gay no, guys no, are no. so entertaining. Yeah, and oh, once oh. they've discovered it, we could do a yeah, whole show about how toxic scared. that TV show was. John, before I, we go? You know, I, I, I do think it's sad that um, um, Boots and Saddles is getting kicked out of its space. I, you know, I was in there once like 100 years ago. But, it, you know, as an institution and as a reminder of, the na- of what the neighborhood right. once was, I think it's important. Now, Jeremiah, I, I heard that they might be getting another space somewhere in the they village. Did. They did. Okay. They, they got a deal for another space. All right. Yeah. Good. Right. Fine. So, okay, so we're closing stay. on a high note. Yay! Yay, right. boots and saddles. Thank you so much, Jeremiah, for calling Thank in. Thank you. 
Well, as ever, it's been the fastest 30 minutes on the internet today. John, thanks very much. Hey, where can people no, uh, find you and tell us one more time about your new book, please? Um, the Village, it's, uh, um, you know, it's on Amazon and it's in all the bookstores and it's around. All right. Till next week when we drink wine. Next week is our annual wine tasting. We've got Jean-Luc Ledoux coming back with some very special guests. All right, so for Judy and John and Liz in the booth, this is Mike Edison. See you next week on Arts and Seizures. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.